Welcome to Highway Diaries. I'm your host, Eric Hollerbach. What's so funny? Don Barris is on What's the so podcast. Funny? This is episode 383. First afe- appeared on this podcast, episode 300. This I did? Yeah, Don and Mary Jane. That was over Zoom, though. Really? Your feet were in a bucket of... Uh, of Urine? Soapy water. You got your... Do you have like a, mas- a foot massage device? Yes. Yeah, so I think you were in that the whole time and that malfunctioned at one point. Anyway. Um, good to b- bring back old times. <laughs> it's good to see you again. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> uh, you are most famous for the movie Windy City Heat. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. People love that How movie. How about as a local lover in the Los Angeles area? <laughs> Just a local lover. Um, What's interesting, okay, so some people have accused you that you're bullying Perry Caravelle in this because you kind of set up a world around him. And some people think that it's bullying. Okay, that's, that's interesting that you should say that. And since I'm no longer part of Perry's life, all I ever did, he was a, a what they call in Los Angeles, a potluck comic. And I saw him and I thought, oh my goodness, this guy's crazy. And I enjoyed Keep going, you're good. This guy's crazy. And I thought, uh, I was putting together a show where I took unique characters. To say I'm bullying, all I did was show his brilliance. I guarantee you nobody else would show his brilliance because people tried to get him to do stuff. I He has options constantly in my world to do anything he wants. His free will, uh, I just was very honest. Hey, we're going to do a show. Do you want to be part of a show? Yes. He came there. He got to do his stage time. I helped him out with his act. I did things that nobody else would do for the guy. Bullying? I think that's wrong, and I'm out of here. Oh, no, come no. on. Oh, all right, it's on Paris. All right, Paris. All right. The, the, I was being, you know... That's not fair. Devil's advocate. I don't want to do a gotcha do interview. You think, do you think that I'm a bully? What I like the word karma. There's comedy karma. We were talking earlier at lunch that there's honor amongst thieves. Number one rule of comedy, no stealing. Number two rule of comedy, have good karma out there so I'm a very much like be nice in the green room type of guy um, when you show the movie Windy City Heat and you know you worked them a little bit where you're like oh god I, I think I have too much money I have too much money oh, I'll just leave my wallet here and then no that wasn't what happened you had, okay you what know, happened you're saying this was a scene where you got a chance to see Perry going in my wallet when I was in another room <clears throat> Perry me had called me and told me that he needed to pay rent the next day or they're going to go through proceedings to get rid of him. Now, I know the truth of the matter is this. It, there's a whole thing. you got to file 30 days. You have 30 days right, to pay, You right. know, all this stuff. And you could stay there for close to a half a year easy if you played the game right. But he, So he wasn't getting thrown out the next day. So... Uh, I had money, and I had gotten this message, and when I came home from the comedy store about 3.30 in the morning, 
I asked him if he wanted to come over and pick up the money. <laughs> and I didn't think he would, but he did. And I set it up. I told him that we're having a little party. There's a couple girls over here. And when he got there, the girls had left. And so when I went to show what a fucking jerk he is, I was loaning him money to pay his rent. I went into the other room looking for my wallet. He finds my wallet because I put an arrow that pointed <laughs> where the wallet was. And he still went through my wallet and started putting money into his pockets. Then when I realized, oh, this seems a little light, he still wanted me to pay him the rent. He's a scumbag. He's always been a scumbag. He treats people like shit. But I knew that this was a good project because of the fact he is the best kind of crazy I've ever seen. Bullying? No. This is this has taken many iterations. You had a cable access show, then you get uh, what? How, what's the timeline? So cable access no. in like the late first, 90s? First of all, we had a uh, I met Perry in 92, September 92. And I immediately started putting shows together at the comedy store. Uh, Simply Don, this show, Belly Room show, Main Room show, whatever we were doing it in. And it was a big event. And we packed these rooms. And it was crazy energy. And people knew Perry. And then, after that, because I got in an argument, because one night we had people that would fill the main room. That's a 400-seat thing. And at the last minute, the owner said she didn't want the Ding Dong Show in the main room. So they made arrangements that we had to put it up a few hours before the normal show, like at 6 o'clock. And the 400 people that came, there was a bus loaded with people from a college that somebody got all these bought all these tickets for this college and they couldn't even get in they came up by bus couldn't get in because there weren't enough seats because the 400 seats of the main room weren't available and there's under 200 in the original room so we kind of got used to that and I thought we got to figure out another way we can't have the day of the show or the day before the show the room pulled out from under us but we were getting it for free, so you can't argue too much. But, uh, no, I, uh, then that's when we started doing public access shows. And then the people at the public access at one point started falling in love with us because on the public access show on a regular basis was Jimmy Kimmel and his cousin Sal. And at the time, Jimmy Kimmel was doing When Ben Stein's Money. So I was like, wow. These people at this public access, they've got this star. You got an Instagram comment. Keep going. So uh, Jimmy Kimmel would go. Yeah, through. he was part of it. And like the people at the, the public access were like, we normally don't get people like this. Mm -hmm. We have ladies that talk about their cats and things like this. <laughs> and you've got this crazy fucking. So they were willing to do anything we ever asked. So then um, it became, so then 
after public access, what was the next iteration of the Perry Project? Uh, I guess when we met Jimmy Kimmel, he loved it immediately. And he said, can I help you guys get this made? And Jimmy was the guy that went out there. And Comedy Central, he was like a god there. And he sold the idea. And at first, they just were giving him enough money to do three shows, three half-hour shows. And Jimmy convinced him, let us do a movie instead. And then they buried the movie and didn't promote it at all. And when it was on Comedy Central, nobody saw it. But well, it it grew. It built. Yes, it did. DVD sales, cult following. Then you went on, uh, was the next step the Ace, like when podcasting started coming out, then you went on Adam Carolla's Ace Broadcasting. Yes. That was the next iteration in a more weekly format show. Yes. And uh, then there was a, a regime change. I think Mr. Corolla was going through some lawsuits. There was some other, you know, behind the scene things going on yeah, with him. And we got the excuse that he just wanted to do his show. Right. And so he cleared out the schedule, and some guys helped us put together, uh, build my apartment into a podcast studio, and it looked pretty good, because I didn't want to go from Ace Broadcasting to someone's living room. Yeah. So I got a good backdrop, and it right. looked like, wow, this is... A good is, set. Yeah. It looked like it could very well be a podcast set. Now, you know, every band, you know, they're touring, you know, there's money, there's offers, there's girls, you know, you know, it's hard to keep uh, this thing alive when you're monetizing um, someone with mental problems, you know, the high level bullying. But I would argue it's not bullying because when you see how it's like the golden rules, treat others the way you want to be treated. When Perry's stealing from you. It's on camera when he's right. knocking over the table. Right, let me just say this. Let me, ju let me tell you this. What? You tried to pull a quick one on me right there, didn't you? Uh, because we already talked about bullying. I don't bully that fucking guy. I never did. All this guy ever wanted, he wanted to be in show business. You tell me. Have you ever gone to a open mic show? Sure. Sure you have. The desperation. And it's unbelievable. He got to skip a level. Mm. And you know what? People really liked him. If he wouldn't have been such a dick, we had another show. Because he, uh, he, and you know, and there's, you can be up in the, up in the air about it, but I know this. There's two ways to look at it. What, what is best for him? What does he want to do? You know how hard it is to do open mics sure it's the worst thing in the world all he got was okay here's a spot for you first it was every week at the uh the westwood comedy store which is where i originally met perry and i just told him you come here we'll put you on at 10 o'clock every so how big of a thing is that this is a guy doing stand-up are there other people that you've seen in the open mic field that are a little more nuts than fucking Perry. Yeah, are you flipping this interview script on No, me? I'm just asking you, because that's the second time you brought up 
bullying, and I'm telling you right now, there's no fucking bullying in this whole thing. Look, you know what? Look, did you say bullying twice? I did say bullying. All right, that's well, no I bullying. Read, I read, read things, you know, on Reddit and other people's okay. opinions. That's yeah. not my. I'm just asking. Okay, the questions then here. why don't you quote that people would say that the the Big Three podcast is the greatest podcast that ever came out. I think it and is. And you could, what? I think it's Trust the funniest me. thing I ever heard. Because there's and, because there's something different than, hey, here we are, three fucking schlubs. One of us does open mic comedy, and we're here doing a podcast. Hey, how about that uh, Diana Ross? <laughs> you know, fucking idiot stuff. Yeah, yeah. Fucking, I, and I don't, I will stand that that is a great podcast. So why don't you, instead of saying bullying twice, you could talk about how people love the podcast. I love the podcast. I love but, the movie. But you the love bullying. The first time Jody Barton ever saw that movie is because I sent it to the TV. Really? friend. Uh, in this crappy apartment we used to live together. Uh, we were all running. You know, I haven't there. seen Jody Barton since. We're doing this oh, yeah. from Austin, Texas, where I'm at right now. And I haven't had a chance to see Jody. And it pisses me off. Because I truly love Jody Barton. Uh, you he didn't see him great. in the back. He's he's normally in the back office uh, going through the the no, work or whatever. Um, so yeah, there's desperation. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, I'm getting a show at Vulcan, and like before, the, when the deal was just a rumor, I was having open micers come up to me and like asking me for a spot. We did, it wasn't even on the website yet. So I understand that it's very, very hard to make it as a as a stand-up. It takes forever. I, I started when I was 16. I'm 37. Are there other people that are more insane than Perry? Well, what you did as an expert carnival barker is you get garnered the highest and best use of his talents. Oh, here's a message. It's not bullying. It's directing. As a creative director, I'm... Am accessing his talent. What the? F what is this? No, you, you're not bullying him. You're directing him. You're getting the best out of him to get into his character. That's not bullying. Is this your manager? That's directing. Scorsese. You take this. I can handle this myself. Okay. <laughs> Think, okay. Right this guy's all over my yeah. back. I'm bullying everybody. <laughs> Have I bullied the the person behind the bar? No. No. She's. I just truly feel that I think it's there's people that are anti anything, but there's anti people for everything done. And you could pick out something, and that's the normal thing. Is it funny? It's funny as fuck. And when you know there's no bullying, this guy wanted to do something. I gave him something. How is that bullying? Because he's a fucking nitwit that says stupid things? That's funny. That's his character. That's all he has to offer. But I let him go up and do that. I don't bully anybody. Um, as a fan of Big Three and the Big Three podcast and in all of its iterations. Yeah, but you like cockfights too. That's pretty good. <laughs> well, look, I can always bet on the right chicken. So right, I, I, okay. I can pick a rooster. I, I bet on endangered animal fights on the dark net. Sue me. But, you know, I... <laughs> There's a, uh, what do I want to say? Sorry. <laughs> you could apologize for saying that I'm bullying. I'm a huge fan. How did the band break up? The band broke up. What band? The big three. Yes. You know, and it's like, as a fan, I was like, oh man, it seemed like we were, we, there was a snowball. We were climbing to the top of the mountain. 
we heard that this, you know, you were making the, you crowdfunded this project, uh, the a new iteration, a pilot headed for big things. Well, how did the band break up? We, what happened? We did have a pilot, and the pilot was outstanding. In the pilot, Mike Judge from Beavis and Butthead, Johnny Knoxville. Do I need to go on? Jimmy Kimmel was there. There was a lot of people that were part of it. And uh, there was just some things that people said that the, uh, the releases were not legal. Did so, you fly too high to the sun and get a, and melt your wings and then come crashing down? No. It seemed like it, it, it was just... No. Was the world ready for the Perry Project on that I level? don't think so. And we ran into this. But the thing was, this would have been done in 2020 because we had one last thing to shoot and then the project would have been done. And then we could offer to make that... In, if somebody wanted to deal with us and make it into a documentary, they could. However, because we had all the footage. Here's a documentary. This is it. Because all people ever said, somebody has to make a documentary about this. So we were, it was like going in a good direction. And things just happened wrong. Um, and it was time to move on. Yeah. Well... I enjoyed the memories. I, I enjoyed... Because uh... you love bullying. <laughs> if your karma is cleared, if someone's literally taking money out of your wallet, then I, as an audience member, I was going, yeah, fuck with the guy. <laughs> I mean, that's... Well, who was taking money out of whose wallet? Perry took money out of your wallet. And then when, you, and then when the, he was a frog being thrown in boiling water, I was like, turn up the heat. Well, you know what? That's fine and here, with me. Here's a typical thing. Another time... Perry was begging me to help him out with money. So I came up with an idea. All right, Perry needs money desperately. This week on the show, we're going to do $20 shout-outs. And we really, to keep Perry going, we need this money. A lot of people sent in $20 shout-outs. But now the problem was we had too many to do in one show. Mm. We got 100 and some odd $20 shout-outs. And we had to do these, and Perry refused to do them. One time he came over, and he said, oh, I tried to make it over, and his truck went bad, and he was holding me responsible to pay for his engine. He's out of his fucking mind. And he refused to do it. And he said, you got money? I said, yeah, but you made a promise that you would do this, and now to get the money, we have to read the shout-outs. And were, were some of the $20 shout-outs a little, um, like the fans, you know, they can be rabid. Were they, like, saying anything that was insulting to Perry ever? They were paying $20 to do whatever they wanted. Okay. Yeah, w did I have anything to do with that? No. That's the type of you, fans he had. You just... Oh, so I'm bullying them? <laughs> Maybe it's the fans are bullying them. <laughs> Look, I'm just a, a jealous just... loser trying to, you know pick apart the fabric of space and time to figure out how to what business model to follow. Um, so you did, um, you're here in Austin doing a couple, you know, the big whoop-de-doo thing. Um, how was that last night? Well, this is being recorded on a 
Tuesday? This is Tuesday. Uh, last night, I performed in the one room over it. I performed in both rooms over it. The Joe Rogan thing, I did Kill Tony, and then I did another room, and I, did, I had a good, good time, and then Sunday night, I did a room there, and I think tonight, oh, I'm doing Tony's show tonight. And uh, then... On click clack. Boom Shakalaka said he was click clack. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't believe that's his real name. Oh, um, what? That's the street name that the gays call him. What are some of the A-listers that became obsessed with Windy City Heat? You were telling me, I mean, not the ones that were in it. You said Mike Judge, Johnny Knoxville, Kimmel. Who are the ones that came out of the woodwork to tell their admiration of the Perry Project? The coolest one might have been Quentin Tarantino. And he still comes by the comedy store and said, oh, there's Mr. Windy City Heat over there. So I'm actually, and Quentin Tarantino, because he was talking to me, I he let me ask him a question that I always wondered about. Can I tell that? Sure. Or do you want to get back to me bullying people? I hey, don't know. this I don't, isn't a gossip. I don't know how much time you need for this segment. Not bullying people. All right. There's so. a karma to it. You know, there's a karma. If someone's literally stealing from you, then I think you're karmically relieved to Who do an equal from? action. Who am I stealing from? Nobody. Perry stole from you. So you're the equal and opposite. If you punch me in the face, I'm karmically allowed to punch you in the face. So I felt like every time when you showcase his bad behavior, then nobody's going to feel bad for him for not getting $20 when he won't read a letter. So everything about, I think you acted actually admirably. Because you, you always had the karma balance. You, you, you did to the fans what you said you were going to do. You read this letter, you get 20 bucks. He wouldn't even do that. No, he wouldn't. What so you... anything towards doing anything for the team, he's too selfish to do. Absolutely. And he didn't even have to read it because he couldn't read. But all he had to do was be there. <laughs> So we could get some of his amazing reactions. <laughs> um, now there was also a, a a character in the Windy City Heat um, that was a he was a mainframe operator. He was um, a computer scientist. Uh, Huey Craig the Third. Yeah, that's who I'm talking about. Right. So who's Huey Craig the Third, and how did he get access to Perry's? phone, email account, he knew intimate details about his life. Hugh A. Craig, how did you get involved with this spot? You know what, if I can say something, that's an excellent question, because I don't know who Hugh A. Craig III, he just would send us letters. Yeah. And I, he claimed that he just felt that maybe he's a bully. Maybe he felt that he was like an agency type, like he worked for CIA, NSA, I don't know Hugh A. Craig III. You would just get letters? He would just send me a letter each week finding out what he had learned about Perry. Mm. And a lot of times he came up with some pretty interesting stuff. Like that he was going back and forth talking about wanting to fuck a transvestite. Mm. And he had all the pictures. And mm -hmm. we actually got that transvestite on the show once. So uh, there was a lot of things that he way Craig broke that we had no idea and would have never known. Well, it's good to have loyal super fans like that with yeah. all this high-tech computer knowledge. Yeah. 
Um, as a friend, did you ever tell Perry to like that when someone asks you to send his penis through the internet? Yes. To like make sure it's a, a lady. Yes. Now, were you doing that as a friend? Or I was were doing you, that as yeah. a friend. Okay. Because he kept sending his dick pic to anybody, and it got to the point where a lot of people were just seeing how far they could push him, mm-hmm. and they they scored when Perry would send a dick pic. Mm. And so did he, so when you told him as a friend, listen, did he, he put the brakes on that behavior, right? No, because he denied that it had ever happened. And then, so that's why we had to have the one transvestite on the show. Mm. And how did that confrontation go? Just like you think. (laughs) You, uh, you learned, and I know we talked about this last time, but I, I just, I, you, you learned a lot about ladies. You learned a lot about human nature before the comedy store at a place called the Tropicana. Now, I, you know, that was a place that it was a mud wrestling. Female mud wrestling. Um, you could go out there and you could wrestle one of these lovely ladies. Like from the movie Stripes. Uh, they were, there was mud uh, wrestling. No, it wasn't like Stripes. It was kind of, I think. Um, so how did this play? Now... You didn't answer this question on episode 300 of Highway Diary Podcast. How did the place close? Did they have good karma out there? What, what happened to the Tropicana in the end? When you're just running a nice business, female mud wrestling, like everything good comes to an end. Do you remember how that closed? Well, I know they fired me. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't there when it officially closed. But do you think that had something to do with it? They didn't understand what they had as the ringleader, the circus master? I wasn't the sur- I was just the auctioneer. Who's going to give me $20 for little Bo Peep? I got 20 over there. I got 30 over there. Hey, you look at him here. The bigger the bill, the bigger the thrill. The MC. The MC. That's all I did. Yeah. And, and they, they got rid of the guy who's run the whole show? Yeah. They did. Because they had other guys, and they they weren't looking for quality. He can speak English, okay, he's good. (laughs) They were Peruvian businessmen. Yeah, okay. Even though the way that they they got the club is that the owner, uh, was heckling Elvis at an Elvis concert, and Elvis security beat the shit out of him. And he got a big payday out of that. And he turned it into the Hollywood Tropicana, the palace of female mud wrestling. So they didn't drag him out. They beat him up, and then he sued Elvis Estate. I I wasn't there again, so I don't know. So that was the seed money for me. That was what I heard. Hey, every beating, you know, is just the start of a new business. That's kind of a Can I borrow that sometime? (laughs) Sure. Thank you. Um, All right. Can you say that I'm not a bully? You're not a... Don Barris is not a bully. He has... He has... Bully qualities? Um, no. Look, if someone punches you, you punch them back. And I think you prove forensically the lack of his character and his morality. So if someone's being... Uh, if they're sending their penis everywhere, lying about it. If they're stealing money out of your wallet, lying about it. Still asking you for the money after he's stolen the grip from you. Then it's like there's an equal... Op- opposite reaction to those things no you just stay away from somebody like that oh okay so that's your strategy now just staying away from them yeah and that's what i do i stay away from them um but you have all these skills 
You are a carnival barker. You've been running. How did I've your never been in the carnival? The Ding Dong Show. That's not a carnival. That's a Ding Dong Show. This is where you take peculiar acts and we put them together. It's kind of a reality show. And it's like the same show that uh, Perry started out in. How, what did how did you take the skills from the Tropicana as being the MC and transmute them into the Ding Dong Show? I don't think it was as easy of a jump as that. <clears throat> One day I'm auctioning off women, and the next day I'm running the Ding Dong Show. It didn't happen that easy. Well, were all the women beautiful that you were auctioning off? Were they all incredible lookers, or were some of the girls you were auctioning off a little, you know, not as nice looking? On off nights, there is a couple like that. Right. But they might have assets in other ways. So you're So then... There's a comedy act who's not sharp or polished, but what they are, you are talking about me? crazy. And then, so you're able to shine those wheels and, you know, put a little, put a little showmanship on their well, act. Well, I'll tell you this. For many years, when Mitzi Shore was alive and owning the comedy store for over 10 I would sit and run her showcases with her. And what doing that was, Mitzi would always have people showcasing, and every couple weeks she would come in and bring those people in, and they would showcase for her. <coughs> the rest of the show was like an open mic, and in the middle was the showcase part. Well, I sat with her, I listened to how she thought. What was the question? Um, oh, and I, so what I wheels. did. I saw that during that show, there was a lot of peculiar characters. And I said, well, why don't, we, why don't I do a show with nothing but these peculiar characters? Because I knew how to shine up the chrome, as you said. And I... Uh, Actually, I met Perry at the uh, the the comedy store in Westwood, and th so he was part of that. And so, if I saw a peculiar character, I tried to bring him in. And at first, Perry was part of that show, and that's what I would do. So, what draws you to the fringes of society, the train wreck acts? Uh, why does somebody like a Quentin Tarantino movie? Because they like certain things that Quentin Tarantino does. I think that the world, you know, there's more than just the polished act. I can tell you the God's honest truth. And you could name a list of the biggest stars working today. And I could tell you why I think they're terrible. I, I don't think, I think stand-up comedy is almost a complete dead art. It's all been done. Uh, I think that there was people like the last truly original comic, I think, was Kinnison. Dice Clay came out a couple years later to a great level, and he was, uh, you know, he was really good for what he did. I just don't think there's a lot of fresh... I think that Roseanne was somebody that was fresh. She, she was so different than everybody else. 
But I think that a lot of people, it's just the same thing over and over again. Who's the, the, the oddball acts? I don't think that they're oddball acts. They're different than everybody else. I don't think Mary Jane's an oddball act. She does something a little bit different than everybody else, but she's not an oddball. I think that I used to have Aiko Tanaka. She's a very good comic, and I had her in, but what she was, she was Japanese, and she had a unique look at what we do, and I was taking, I wouldn't call her fringe. I know that her family was very wealthy, so, I mean, she's a good kid. She came out here trying to make it in Hollywood, but so does everybody else. That's what, how many people, you know, I always feel like, wow, I beat the odds. Not only did I put together a movie that got out there, won film festival awards, so I would say that it was, and people really liked that movie. So I did that, I was part of something there, and how many people never even reached that level, never even put out a piece of shit movie? So there's people that are struggling uh, to get into a, a now you're a conspiracy theorist in a you would say sure, that right sure sure all right uh, and it's none of my business do I do I look at the people that are conspiracy theorists do I look at them in a certain way yes do I look at them coming from a different direction than most comics yes so it's a whole it's how it's your perspective on anybody. Do I, the fringe, I, I disagree with that. It's just something different. It's you, something So authenticity is the only thing that you're after. Yeah, just something that isn't, that people are being real, and you can tell that they're real, but there's something likable about the character. Like even, I had a, a guy by the name of the Armenian Comedian. I met him actually through Jimmy Kimmel. He was big on K-Rock. Uh, the radio station, but he became like he passed away recently, and at the time, he had been part of the Ding Dong Show longer than anybody else. And what was unique about him, he was a dreadful person, and he played the enemy. But he would yell at people, and he'd tell people, he, he would tell everybody in the show that they sucked. He was the best thing in the show, and it was crazy because. He would do knock-knock jokes, and it was, knock-knock, who's there? He would answer himself. And it was just ridiculous. Did I, was I bullying him when he did it? No, that's his sense of humor. And it was damn funny. If you were at that level, and you were, okay, this guy, he's going to tell knock-knock jokes. Or he's going to talk about how, when he was a hairdresser, he would, as he's putting the shampoo in the hair, he would rub his dick against the woman's arm and get a heart on it. I mean, these are real things. This is a yeah, real, yeah. it's a funny, it's like, what a pig he could be. <laughs> and then I would always say, where are you working now? He'd give the name, what's the phone number there? <laughs> if yeah. you want me to come and rub your dick uh, yeah. on, on your shoulder while I'm doing yeah, your hair, exactly. you could do it exactly at this strip mall. So, and, but he didn't say that, but I mean, that's what I alluded to. And I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It's freaking ridiculous. And I, uh, I understand that, but is he? Uh, he was a he, he was a married man with two kids. <laughs> I mean, and they loved him to death. Yeah, yeah. 
He was, a, he was, he paid his taxes. He did everything in the right way. So is he out of his mind? No. Is he funny because he's so, such a simpleton? Yes. And was I pointing it out? Was I saying, hey, this guy's going to be do this? I just let them do what they did. And if people got it and they thought it was funny, that's the way they respond. You just put the spotlight where other people think is background noise. Yes. But I, I'm not bullying. Remember when you said that? I think I said it twice, but that was a strong Can I tell you that. this? Look, this is a gun. <laughs> I always pulled the gun <laughs> and right. shot you and watched you die. So I would keep away from the bullying. All right, all right. Um, so uh, you got other spots over here at the mothership, you know, the big whoop de doo thing and all that Thursday stuff. Thursday nights, Tom Barris and Friends. Great. And, and those are your friends on the bill. You picked the bill? You picked all the I comics? did not pick the comics. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, great. Um, so, I wanted... But, yeah. the comics are Brian Holtzman, Duncan Trussell, and Tony Hinchcliffe, and myself. But by the time this comes out, the show's already over, right? It'll be it'll come out Monday, yeah, every Monday. Yeah, I so have this my show is over. Out. Oh, okay. This is over. This is so. This was this past Thursday. What the <laughs> fuck am I even here for? Why am I even here? To fucking be brutalized? Oh, hey, they had a criminal on the show the other day. Oh yeah. He fucking no. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about your show, and it was me. Mm. He goes around, and fucks with people's lives. Let me tell you this: it has not been smooth for me here. I have not had it's, a smooth yeah. ride in Austin. Oh, and I've had a smooth ride anywhere. I know you were look, but th I think that's what wh nobody look, has a smooth ride. I was thrown in jail for what. what? My roommate was on drugs, okay? So I moved, here from, I moved here from Jersey. My roommate came from L.A. We were buddies. We were L.A. comic buddies, right? You're drug buddies. Not at all. I smoke a little weed. I drink a little beer. That's and it. bully buddies. We're you bully just, buddies. You would watch podcasts that they so, bully somebody. So he had two years sober. He was working in a rehab, okay? And then we move in together. I think he's fine. Anyway, he's sleepy all the time. His mom would always pay his rent. I didn't, I didn't mind the heroin. When he switched to meth, that was different. And then one night he was trying to score meth, and I pushed him out the door a little bit. All right, I pushed him out the door a little bit, and I locked him out of the door. And I warned the guy that was going to give him uh, a ride to get meth, and that's what it was. He, well, he called the cops. I went to jail, and uh, what is uh, it? Hold on. aggravated assault. I'm doing... I'm doing a podcast yeah. with a jailbird. Yeah, well, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> well, I went like this: lock, aggravated assault. You know. Well, he told the police that I I closed the door on his foot and I injured his. Oh foot. shit! Why would yeah. you do that? Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, then um, he he it was all in a bid to not pay the last month's rent and to scare it out of here. But he the, what what I found interesting was every time he would call his mom, he would say the reason why he didn't have a job is cuz I was bullying him. That's what he said. Yeah, how do you like when somebody exactly. says you're doing it? So I, he would always go, "Eric's bullying me." And I was go, "How would I bully him?" I go, "Well, you were working at Chili's and then you quit and the utility bill is in your name, so pay the fucking utility bill." And so he said, "Mom, yeah. he's bullying me. He's bullying me." 
So the victim mentality is call, calling it bullying. And I don't appreciate that because I was Neither did I. I was Neither organizing I. his whole life. I was the best part of his life. I'm the only guest you had on today's show. <laughs> yeah, you called me a bully. <laughs> but that word is out there. And I think uh, people think that it's like easy. Like, I, And I was telling you this the other day that I, I drove from L.A. to New Orleans to New York. I shot 50 shows. It took two years to edit my specials together. And it cost $16,000. I lived in my dad's house for 10 months because I couldn't afford rent. And then I finally get a show at Vulcan and people, before it's even, anyway. Um, before it's what? Before it's even on the website, people are asking me for spots. You know, it's just a sea of desperation. And you're the one who finds the, the most desperate, the most delusional, and put them center stage. Okay. Uh, what you You're doing to, them a favor. No, what you tried to oh, do. Oh, what, do I, what did I do? Went, I've seen them do it. I saw Mor Morley Safer do this to an interview during 60 Minutes. What they do, they went in one direction with all this stuff about themselves. Then they switched me to like being the fucking evil. <laughs> uh, the Adolf Hitler of comedy. Um, how, can, how can you do that to me? Oh, Don't so rude. Keep it away. <laughs> I'm just heartbroken that the big three broke up. Okay, well, I'm it's heartbroken. broken up. Well, you know what? I did it for 28 years. Yeah. It's not worth it. I move on. The ding-dong shows where it's at. Okay. I'm putting my time into that. reason I'm out here is to get my name going good here so I can promote the ding-dong show with some of these high-powered fucking podcasts and shows and I'm telling you when I said that I'm not talking about this show we're on the right highway now. diary we're yeah. ranked uh, in the top 200 of US and UK just so you know top 200 yes not terrible not terrible at all and the movie Windy City Heat is, is dead the funniest movie I've ever seen in my life. Oh, be, it is up you're... there with Borat and the South Park movie, Team America and Windy City Heat are the funniest movies ever. So uh, it's an honor for me to know you, call you my friend. and Call me and <laughs> bully. When, when, you, when I call you, pick up the phone. What a joy. I le I've left you a few obscene voicemails. I, I'm sorry about that. Um, but, um, you know, you're kind of a pretty Bond girl. Um, yes. And so the Ding Dong good. Show every Monday night every at the Monday Comedy Store in at West the Hollywood. Store. Or you can watch on twitch.tv, simply done the Twitch channel. And there's shows every week. I would say the Quirky Show is fucking terrible. Uh, that's on Sunday. Uh, Friday night. There's a show called Simply Down the Zoom Show on our Twitch network. But people have called it the Pretty Girl Show because it's a show about pretty girls getting together and talking about pretty girl things. And you know a lot about that. I handle my own, okay? With, you can't be a bully 24 hours a day. With those baby blues, uh, you get away with murder. Uh, like our Arthur Slugworth. Anyway, remember when you killed Arthur Slugworth? I did. And uh, yeah, but that was to because he there was a thieving item. Anyway, um, let me ask you this: yeah. What do you remember about that? I remember that. Okay, there was a. By the way, this is one of the last things the Big Three ever did. A, a, a spoon, that was apparently worth a lot of money. This spoon. Yes. 
and it was stolen from a museum, uh, a guarded museum, and then the person who wanted to buy the spoon off Perry uh, held him, his life for ransom. So you went out with Mole to negotiate with Arthur Slugworth, and instead of being killed, tortured, ransomed for, you're just a man. You take things in your own hand and you killed him. And you know, I killed him with a toenail clipper. You know, the sharp end that you oh, yeah? on the side that you can use as a nail file? That's what I had. Was that ever, did that ever get on the Big Three premium channel? Uh, I think so. I think so. Yeah. I remember, yeah, you showed me the bloody t-shirt on Highway Diary episode 300, and I told you that's evidence in a crime. Perry's calling the cops. You know, like, what are you showing this on camera for? I was stupid. I wasn't thinking. Yeah, okay. Um, this has been Highway Diary, episode 383, uh, with my friend and special guest, Don Barris. Can you give any of my social media, or is it all about just calling me a bully and then leaving it? I said, you're my friend. I said, you're my friend. I said that as kind of a... Friend. By the way, if I can say, uh, I'm into the... 900 day over 900 days where I wore a different t-shirt each day trying to set the world record for the most different t-shirts ever worn consecutively and I just someone sent me a thing and I've got to find out very soon I thought I had to wear 4,260 t-shirts in a row t-shirts in a row and I've worn I'm in the 900s now okay so I'm still but I found out it isn't as much. I have to call the Guinness Book of World Records to find out for sure. But every day you can follow this journey on my uh, social media. What? what what's the social? Simply media? Don Juan. Yeah, but that's for Instagram. Well, I hope I did a good yeah, job. Yeah, you protect- did a good job. Hey, do you think people will still because of you fucking talking about <laughs> what a bully I am? Do you think that this they believe that I'm bully? I think people with a victim mentality would say that because they're jealous losers trying to be a victim. I think people that are trying to be the funniest person in the world would see for what it is, high-level art. Look, you can only paint the Mona Lisa and look at it in two seconds, and you're like, I've seen it. But Or you can turn bullying into a fine art, and that's what, you know. I uh, Fuck well, you, hey, that's through hey the man, time. No, fuck I you. I also called you my friend. Yeah, but I'm not your friend if you okay. keep calling me a bully. The, How dare you? The How dare you? Funniest director of the funniest movie ever. I wasn't the director. Uh, Gilbert. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Um, the oh. circus barker of the funniest movie of all time. I'm not a circus barker. Oh. Wow, just paint the worst picture of me. Why don't you. I had nothing to do with Kennedy being assassinated. <laughs> Ara. My cousin Earl. Skankle. Yeah, Earl, oh, let, follow-up question. So I was talking to Earl about you. He said, oh, no, no, Ari. Ari on a podcast said... Ari Schiffer. Ari Schiffler. He said on a podcast, he accused you of being a hoarder. How do you respond to that? Do you hold the memories? Wait a second. That's what? the final question. <laughs> yeah. Really? Seriously? <laughs> That's what you decided to do? No, I'm not even going to talk. Oh, okay, you won't even dignify How that dare, with the response. I know, this has been and, so And fuck Ari Schiffer, too. Ask a Jew. <laughs> I'm a fan of Ask a Jew. 
Uh, this has been Highway Diary, episode 383 with Don Barris. Thank you for doing this. Oh, I had an enjoyable time being tortured, <laughs> being accused of stuff that I didn't do. Thank you. Let me do it again real soon. Okay, great. That sounds fun. Bye. <laughs>